Hi, I'm Rochelle Jackson, and this is The Crime Couch. I'm an investigative journalist and true crime author, and I know who's who in the zoo. The crims, the cops, and the interesting individuals in between. So get comfy and join me here on The Crime Couch. It's going to be one heck of a journey. Brian the Skull Murphy was a copper from the good old days. The former detective sergeant built a fearsome reputation with police and criminals. He was the recipient of a Valor Award, charged and acquitted of a homicide and falsely accused of an underworld hit. At 90 years of age, Brian sadly passed away on the 25th of April 2023, surrounded by his family, who he adored. This is the last of a two-part interview with Brian, who I spoke to when writing Billy Longley's biography in 2004. He talks about the Pat Shannon trial, giving evidence against Billy in the matter, and the company they called Industrial Mediation that they set up together. Now I was told to by the uh, hierarchy, uh, not because of Fry. Uh, did you give Billy advice in that phone conversation? The police? The police never came to me and said, we want Lolly. Although they, it, in my own brain, I knew, because they come and search his house looking for him after Shannon, the day of Shannon's funeral. They come and search your house? This house here. They come in and they said, oh, Margaret, anywhere where they could put a bomb. Margaret didn't wake up to it. If they had said to me, would you go out and con Billy Longley and get him and lock him up, I would have said yes. And Billy wouldn't have been crooked me for it, I don't think. Mm. I wouldn't have given a stuff if he had a beat. Mm. What were your impressions of the Crown case then and the evidence against Billy? I didn't know any of it. I hadn't been there. And I wasn't in touch with anybody. Were you forced then to give evidence against Billy? I was told to get there and no... Pat was rang me at midnight and he said, get there and don't fuck around, give the evidence and get out of the court. I said, but boss, he's butt-nothing, hung up on me. So when they started inferring that you had given intel to Billy... Yeah. He he was asking me if I'd seen this villain around or that villain around and... um, uh, could I find out a car number? I said, Bill, I find out a car number and I check it and it goes back to you and that bloke gets killed. I said, more shit than where it'd be ducked, don't ask me to do that. He said, I'm not asking, I'm just wondering if you're driving around and you see a car with somebody in it, it might match up. I said, yeah, he said, it's only a matter of survival. What was it like giving evidence against Bill? Didn't worry me. If they... As I said, if they asked me to go and con Billy to meet him, I'd have done it. I was shitty on him for calling me. I should never, he should never have done, he said to me later, maybe 10 years later, he said, mate, your name just come out of my ass." He said, I just pulled your name out of my ass." He said, I don't know why I did it. He said, but I, I knew that you knew him, so I thought, oh, fuck him, I'll chuck him in. I think that's most probably sent him now. And the judge took no notice of it. Billy said when he knew that that had been stated to the jury, that was when he thought he'd gone. Mm. John Walker says he believed it was the time when 
you know, there was a lot of evidence against him regarding the fact that it was his gun, and that was the strongest bit of evidence. It was Billy's gun, wasn't it? Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. I've yeah. And I've never asked him anything about it. So how did you feel about having to give him testimony then against him? It didn't worry me. Yeah. It didn't worry me because I, what I gave was honest evidence. Mm. Not the way they expected me to give it. Mm. Yeah. It didn't worry me. Yeah. Billy was in smoke for nearly 16 months. Now, did he keep in contact with you? Every now and then I get a phone call. Uh, Different people have said that he was living with the Hare Krishnas <laughs> down in Dalgetty Street. And somebody rang me and told me that they'd seen him at the um, Albert Park Post Office. Uh, and they said, uh, we reckon it'd be his daughter's birthday today. And he's most probably sending her a telegram or sending something to her. And so I, I uh, made arrangements to find out if that were the case to see if I could get an address and I might be gone and grabbed it had they wanted me to mm. and I pass a lot of that information to, to different uh, blokes in the area you know I said keep your eyes open he's down there mm. if, if I'd done him a favour and he'd done me a favour I'd given evidence for him on one occasion and he gave me the satisfaction of knowing that um, that, uh, that Margaret and the kids were all right mm. so that didn't make any difference to me. What was your opinion of, of him going down to the murder of Pat Shane? Win some, you lose some. Uh, when I walked out of the club and looked at him, he's gone. Just shrugged his shoulders to say, well, that's fucked that up, I think. And, and uh, there was nothing. There's nothing. As a matter of fact, when he was in jail in, in Iraq, uh, we recovered heaps and heaps if Jelly's not, it was going to be a bomb to kill somebody up there. Myself and Bill Ainley went up there and uh, found it in a drain. Mm. He contacted me. And that's how we got it. Right. Because he didn't want it blowing up on him. Yeah. Because they would have said, oh, fucking Longley's done that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and there was another time when... Uh, uh, Billy rang me. Our bloke went to see him. And I went out and I got permission to go out and see him at four o'clock on a Sunday afternoon in running shorts and sand shoes and a t-shirt. And uh, remember they were going to get a... Um, they are going to get a bloke to go into the jail ward at St Vincent's in a wheelchair and he had the components for a gun in it and uh, give it to a bloke. He's going to grab a warder and a doctor and hold them hostage and get them out of the hospital and then go and kill a Supreme Court judge. Billy, Billy contacted us about that. Yeah. He didn't want to see that happen, really. Yeah. Even though I suppose he had no love for Jay, he hated McInerney. Mm. Did it get personal? Was there real animosities between the two sides? Generally it was, but then... Uh, when you get detectives taking things personally and taking on the mantle of uh, we're going to protect the whole world and he's killed somebody and because he's killed somebody he's gone to jail or because he killed somebody he's beaten it and they take it personally and um, depending on what their social habits are 
it can have a bad effect on their lives and most probably on the way they conduct themselves in their duties. start your company with Billy? He just rang me one day and said, how are you going? I said, not bad, how are you? He said, oh, doing it pretty hard. I said, I can imagine. And uh, he said, I had a visit the other day. Four detectives come out here and they had a 45 and they're going to give it to me and charge me, who's still on parole? And they're going to get his parole revoked. He said, and they looked through the book and found your phone number and your name. And one of the blokes said, I know him. He said, how do you know him? He said, the, boat, the policeman said to Billy. He said, oh, he said, I've known him over a period of years. He said, what do you think of him? He said, I think he's a good bloke. And the bloke said, this is your fucking lucky day, so do I. And they didn't load him. They're going to lock him up. And that's, they wanted that done by the police department, wanted it done. And uh, he would have uh, he would have done maybe two next to three or four years, plus X amount of time for a gun. So how did you start your company with Bill? Well, he, I said, look, I said, you better come over one night for a meal. And then he hesitated. He said, I beg your pardon. I said, you better come over. I spoke to Mark. She said, certainly. So um, he told us when he was in the can, he had some bloke, uh, Vietnamese, Vietnamese, mm. uh, he used to get fish and cook it. So, you know, we had, uh, Mark had got a, um, um, some fish and did the uh, black bean sauce and like that kind of stuff mm. here. And uh, he couldn't get over it. He just, well, what can happen if they find out you have me in here? So it's got nothing I can do with them. You know? And George Joseph had a meal here when he was going bad when he got out of jail too. Some blokes said, why don't you just get into business? And because Billy was talking to this bloke up in Carlton, great mate of Pat McNamara's, and he's a great mate of everybody's. Mm-hmm. And, um, I said, oh, forget it. I said, if I can give him a bunk up for the job, or yeah. I'd had him painting with me actually. He was a no, shocking well. bloody painter. <laughs> and um, and one day, one day I said, Bill, you know where we were painting yesterday? He said, Yeah. I said, Go out there and paint. And we had to clean the flat up; it was pretty dirty. And I turned up about half past twelve, one o'clock. And um, I said, Bill, can you come down to the car? He said, yeah, what for, Chief? I said, I've got a couple of blankets and a shovel. Uh-uh. He said, no, thanks, I'll stay up here. So well, what was your company called? Industrial Mediation. Mm-hmm. And what sort of work did you do? Can you explain sort of the nature well, of look, the work? And- it never really got off the ground. We, we did a few jobs, but basically with kids and uh, they were acting up on their parents, we used to go and talk to them. We had a fair amount of success actually. Uh, Billy did the school, he did Coburg and uh, I think Coburg Tech or something like that. But um, uh, I think they were all a bit terrified of having the both of us in the, the school. You know? right. And uh, a lot of them shy clear off because they didn't want to hear home truths. Mm-hmm. And they said, we can't have these blokes. Kids go home talking about Brian Murphy and Billy Longley and, and all this, the connotations to that. What were you telling them? What were some of the lessons? Well, Billy, uh, like I'd, I'd tell them the way they're going to finish up uh, looking at their mother in a wooden coffin one day and they'll be crying tears of blood for because the, they would know that they'd put her there and all this kind of stuff, psychological uh, bullshit, but 
in fact, this is what happens. And um, and they'd say, oh, yeah, but you're only an old copper. And Billy say, listen here, I'm a fucking old crim. And I've been charged with killing people. And now I'm 72, I've got the arse out of my strides, I haven't got a decent couch to sit on. He said, I'm lucky to know when my next feed's coming. He said, so if you want to find out about being one of these, a criminal, I'll tell you all about it now, but just shut your fucking mouth and listen. What were the kids' reactions to that? They would have been... Their eyes would pop out of their heads. He said, oh, he said, and I'll tell you something, Sonny. He said, you're a lovely looking kid. He says, when you get out to the jail, he said, when you're biting pieces of concrete out of the curbing and somebody's indecently assaulting you, think of my words. This is a one-on-one, but uh, it kind of fell in a, a hole because, yeah, he's, he's, something happened to him. He, he got sick and then he... Oh, yeah. I think he had cancer and now, the, the motto that everyone was quoting was that everything is negotiable. Yeah, what actually good. does that mean? Well, everything is negotiable if people only sit down... I got my daughter to draw up the logo. People are prepared to sit down and talk their problems over. They must probably find a solution for them. But uh, like Billy might have been in the past, they all wanted to be quick, draw McGraw, and solve their problems like that. And I think Billy realises now. I think there's a lot happening in Billy's life that he's terribly disappointed about. He came from a good family. He is a gentleman uh, in his approach to people, especially people that um, don't put rubbish on him. You couldn't fault his manners or his conduct. And uh, some of us most probably could have had a far better start in life and with companions and everything else and um, finish up worse than him. Morally, mm. and uh, he's, I, I don't think that the life he led, if he had a chance again, I think he would have changed a lot. As most probably a lot of us might. Oh, he'd have a heap of regrets. Uh, just talking to the boat, uh, every now and then he goes quiet. I don't. Once I've found him going quiet, I just change the subject. Mm. We've never had a blue, and I don't see why. Uh, me trying to push some moral bullshit down his throat is going to change him. George Hayton says of you guys, your relationship with uh, Billy and the business venture, he said, I think it's a classic partnership. It's a classic motto, mm. and I'm just amused and entertained by the whole thing. Two old guys who could sit back and tell a lot of stories from both sides of the fence. Mm. Old gentleman, because Brian is certainly a gentleman, and he's got a lot of honour to his friends and relatives, and Billy has too. They certainly wore different uniforms. Mm. Is that how you sort of see yourselves now? It was always the same. I'd never had any uh, grief with Billy. And um, to my knowledge, he never caused me any. And I think that... Um, well, it's just the way you've got to get in life, whether you're a policeman or a villain or anything else. Mm. How do you think Billy's coped with life after getting out in 88? Badly. You know, he, he had big problems, psychological problems, and um, but he didn't run and hide after he finished his time. He didn't run and hide. He, he went out ballroom dancing, and um, I think all the old shit was, think was great to be dancing with Billy Longley. Mm. And I think he got a certain amount of enjoyment out of it too, you know. Mm. And uh, he played hide and seek with them, you know. How do you um, describe your friendship with Billy now? I get along all right with the bloke. I've, I've got no um, 
brief, I never had a brief against him, you know, like a, any animosity towards him. And it's the same now. If, if uh, I visited him in the hospital when he uh, was sick and I felt very sad for him. And I feel sad for him to the, the degree that he stuffed his life up. Mm. And what's he got now, mm. you know? And there'd be plenty of uh, policemen, accountants and priests and solicitors that could be in the same boat. And you just can't let these people drift drift away. You know, if there's anything I could do for him legally, physically or morally, I'd help him. They're the same as you'd be bound to help anybody else. A lot of people most probably think that it's uh, bullshit coming from me, but it's uh, just the way we live here. That's the end of the two-part interview with Brian the Skull Murphy on The Crime Couch. Thanks for joining me. I'm Rochelle Jackson, and I look forward to your company next time on The Crime Couch.